Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Hi, this is Jamie Catmull with the Live Richer podcast, and today we have Rachel Cruz. She's a New York Times bestselling author, not just once, but twice, and we're so excited to have her here. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Jamie. Doing well. Thanks for having me. So one thing I have to ask you before I get right into the holiday budgeting and everything is, what was it like being Dave Ramsey's daughter? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. People ask me that a lot. And I think people assume that we were like this money obsessed family and we had, you know, mutual fund birthday parties and like budget camps every summer and all of that. But that really wasn't the case. You know, mom and dad, they to their credit, they did a really great job of teaching us obviously how money works. But they really kind of just did it in the ebb and flow of life. It was never like this thing that was so weighty in our family. And I think people expect that, right? They're like, oh, yeah, every conversation at dinner had to deal with like stocks or saving or something. And that really wasn't the case. Thankfully, thankfully. I saw this recently that you actually were born the year that your dad filed bankruptcy. Is this true? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So my perspective is is really unique because of that. You know, I entered their story of just complete disaster literally at the same year. So I was born in April and they filed in September. And out of that, really had this kind of front row seat of watching them figure out how money works. And um, and I think it's part of my passion too, just knowing that these principles that they started to live by truly can change your life. Like when you start to get control of your money, things can change. And I am the beneficiary of that because of my parents. And that's one reason I love my job is I'm like, I want to help people get their finances in order. But in turn, you really can change your family tree with something as simple yet as complicated and heavy as money. We're going into the holiday season and a lot of people are stressed about money. And we're also excited to have a holiday season where we can actually be with family and celebrate. I wanted to know what are some tips that maybe you can share with us today? And I know you guys just came out with a big study and I'd love to hear about it. And maybe you can help some people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, consumer spending always is high around the holiday season and we're seeing more and more that it's even higher. I think people are really feeling the burden lift from 2020. Just like you said, there's excitement around being in person with people and the spending seems to follow that. So the first thing people need to realize is that you have to have a plan. And so I tell people to have a zero-based Christmas budget. So of course, I'm going to throw the B word out there at the beginning of this. (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) I know, I know. And I used to hate budgeting too. But I've realized a budget really gives you such freedom It doesn't limit your freedom. It gives you freedom. It gives you permission to spend. And so when you actually spend with a plan to know, okay, here's how much we're going to spend at Christmas. And you write that number at the top, um, you know, of a sheet of paper, or I have um, a budgeting app, a Christmas app um, that you can look at as well. But but to be able to say, hey, we're going to figure out how much do we have to spend. And then you list out everything you're going to spend money on, whether it's gifts, everything from your kids and family, maybe hostess gifts, teacher gifts. To if you're going to a party and you know, hey, I'm probably going to buy two new outfits for the Christmas season, you budget that. Like you just 
plan ahead and then put dollar amounts next to each of these categories. And the goal is that that amount of money you want to spend for Christmas minus everything you've planned out equals zero. So every dollar you plan to spend is spent on paper and with a purpose. And it gives you such freedom. It really does. My husband and I, we just did this. And two nights ago, I went on Amazon and just did a ton of shopping real quick because I was like, I got to just get some stuff for our kids. And I was like, you know what? I knew what we had to spend. And it just kind of gives this more enjoyable, you know, less stressful approach. So the budgeting thing is big. You mentioned something in the study that I'm really interested in is the buy now, pay later. I think we're all tempted to do that. And what was the numbers? Could you share those numbers from the study if you know them off the top of your head? Yeah, How many people do that and then actually pay it back? Yes. Well, actually, 73% of consumers that use an afterpay method miss a payment at some point in the process. And depending on the company, I mean, there's fees attached, there's backlog interest. I mean, this stuff is not cheap. And so you really want to be diligent. They're very sneaky about it. And I see it all the time now, even when I'm shopping online, you know, you look and they're like, oh, you can just do four payments of this tiny amount versus this big total. <laughs> and in the moment, it, that would feel so great, right? To say, okay, I could only, I only have to pay this much. But the long-term, t- the long-term effect of that and of what debt does, because that is debt, whether it's afterpay, Klarma, I mean, you are in debt because you're having to repay something that you bought over time. And, and what it does, I think, to us, even just emotionally to know, I still owe someone money. And when you're still paying for a shirt four months later that you're probably not even going to wear again because you've worn it twice and you're kind of done with it, you know, whatever the, whatever the story is, I'm like, man, it just sucks that that is still part of your money story where you could have said, hey, I'm going to just do it all up front because it makes you think, too, do I really want this? You know, you can justify your purchases when it seems less at the time. So paying in full not only emotionally relieves the stress, but also there's a chance you may say, eh. I may not actually want it because I don't want to pay that much right now. And that's great. And that means you probably shouldn't buy it in the first place. You mentioned something that really um, intrigued me in the study that I saw. They said something about the psychological effects of shopping and that we actually get like a high from it when we're buying stuff. And I loved the part that you mentioned how maybe just put it in your cart and yes, you can still get the same thing and don't pull the trigger on it. Don't buy it. Just put it in the cart. And I thought that was funny because I actually have been doing that subconsciously at night as I'm laying in bed and I'll, oh, I'll get that tomorrow. And then I end up like, hey, I didn't even want it. So I you love that. You and me both, Jamie. <laughs> I know. I call it add to cart. I'm like, I'll just add it to cart. And yeah, because I think that is another point to remember during this holiday season is that when you buy something, it triggers things emotionally. And what's even crazy is even physiologically, right? Like your your dopamine rises, uh, you get a sense of adrenaline because it's fun. Like when you spend money and you buy something, there's an excitement there. And that can almost get addictive, right? Like that's when you see people yeah. that really truly do get into these kind of shopping addictions because um, it is a real thing. And so you can kind of still get that hit, like you're saying, in a sense, just by adding it to cart, but not buying it. And and I'll be honest, I do this a lot. If I'm like, gosh, I haven't bought something in a while because I'm a spender. I'm a natural spender. I love spending money. And I'm like, I haven't gotten, you know, a new, you know, pair of shoes in a while. I'm like, okay, so I'll just go on a website and I'll look and that's cute. I'll add it. I'll add it. And then I, and then, and then I delete it and I'm like, okay, that's all I needed. I just needed that. It's great. And my shoes are fine, but I have, and I don't really need them. So it may, it may help some people in this holiday season. I think it will. I, Cause you, you, a lot of times you buy things and you regret it later. I know I do sometimes. I'm like, why did I buy that? I wasn't thinking it was late at night. I was looking at it. 
So I think that's really helpful. You just said something that I have to ask you. You are a spender. So how... How does a spender live with the Ramses? I mean, you just work harder <laughs> so you have more money. I mean, what are some things that a spender can do to end this addiction that they have? I know. Well, you know, I tell people naturally, you're either naturally a spender or a saver. And so neither one is right or wrong. And I think in the financial space, people criticize the spender. They're like, oh, you're the you're the one that, you know, is, um, you know, you jump at your emotions, you... Uh, you don't delay gratification. You know, it's like we're shamed to be spenders. And I've just learned, no, I can still be a spender, but I can have control because that balance of a spender and saver is really key. Because, I mean, if I just spend everything I make, of course, I'm going to be broke. And that's not a smart financial plan. So I do save up for things I want. I do save in retirement for long-term investing. I mean, I do these things, but also I still, that doesn't negate the fact that I still enjoy spending. That's why the budget for me has really become my best friend. Because I'm like, okay, I have a clothing envel- or a clothing category in my budget. It's there. I have um, a miscellaneous. I have a house category. Like I have all these things and these numbers and I can still spend it and be in control and have these guardrails. So you can still be a spender (laughs) and win with money. You really can. You just have to learn to rein it in because I'll say this, Jamie, on the flip side, I meet some savers and they're just miserable people because there's a level of control that they want and and they grab onto their money and they don't let go and they live with a closed fist. They're not as freely to give or enjoy life. And I'm like, hey, that's not good either, but no one seems to talk about that. So I'm like, savers, you got to learn to spend too. But spenders, you got to learn to save. Yeah, we all know um, Ebenezer Scrooge. Remember, he was a saver. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Bringing exactly a little right. Christmas there. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so one other thing I was just thinking when you were talking about this was a lot of people will end up living paycheck to paycheck. And what are some things that people can do to get out of living paycheck to paychecks? And I think especially a lot of people end up living paycheck to paycheck after the holidays because they've racked up so much debt. So do you have any tips for that? Well, the one big part of the formula that you have to realize is that there's income and there's outgo, right? It's like this very, it's a very simple formula, but it's, these are two really big numbers to concentrate on. Um, so there's one instance on one side, you can get your income up, you can do extra stuff. And and now more than ever, having kind of a side gig is so much more normal. I think through all the delivery services that are out there now, uh, things that you can do online to make money. I mean, a lot of people have a side gig going. So getting that income up is part of the equation, but also looking at your expenses. Again, I'll bring the budget back into play, but being able to look at it and say, okay, this month, I'm not, I'm cutting this out. I'm cutting this out. I'm cutting this out. We're not going out to eat. We're not shopping. And you limit your expenses down as much as possible so you have more income coming in, less less money going out in expenses and taking that extra money. And my number one goal for people is to save $1,000. And once you kind of get out of that rhythm of just living, waiting for that next paycheck and you actually have money in the bank saved, you start to see, okay, I, I can do this. But those two elements, those two numbers, your income and outgo are really big. And I think a lot of people, Jamie... They don't concentrate on especially the outgo. They kind of just live life and they're, they're good intentioned about it, but they just go to the grocery and they buy what they what they want slash need. They go to Starbucks and get some coffee when they want it. I mean, they kind of just live like this and then they get to April 15th and they think, gosh, I made this money and where did it all go? Because there wasn't intentionality behind it. So those are two big things I would say. And then the debt piece is always huge. Debt steals your income and part of us at Ramsey Solutions, we, we really harp on people getting out of debt because when you don't have payments going out, you actually have your income back to be able to do stuff. So those 
those are a couple of things hopefully that can help people. But we have tons of content over at Ramsey Solutions that just this is all we do. We we really want to help people get to this place because close to seventy five percent of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. I know it's pretty it's outstanding. I know I myself have been there, yes. and it is super hard to get out of when you're in it. And but if you do it slowly, like you guys always say with the debt snowball, it does work. And I'm actually really grateful for all the advice you guys give. I've used it myself. Oh, um, one thing I was wondering when it comes to the holiday season, do you feel like giving stocks and things like that financial gifts are a good idea? I mean, maybe not giving a present or there any ideas or advice you give to people that maybe want to give something else to someone other than just yeah. a new lipstick, pair of shoes or something like that? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, on, on the financial end is what you're asking, right? Yeah. Like, a, yeah, like, a yeah. So I really haven't really thought about it. I know, again, it's kind of a, maybe a different generation than's listening right now, but even some grandparents will say, hey, we'll help start a college fund for the grandkids. And they do that instead of buying a bunch of toys. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think it's a, a smart thing to think through, hey, what are some things that I can give people that are actually going to last? And that could be something as simple as even just a subscription. Like, it's amazing. If someone just pays for your Netflix subscription for the year or something, you're like, oh, well, that's kind of nice. Okay, I don't have to pay for that. And that takes a little bit of my expenses down. Uh, so there's things like that that you can do that are less expensive than going into something big like a like a college fund, for instance. I actually really like that Netflix idea. I, that's something I need to actually propose to someone. I, I think that's a really good idea. You know, you never know what to buy people or what they like, but that's a really cool one. It's the gift uh, that keeps on giving. Yeah. You know? All year long, they're going to be thinking about, <laughs> oh, long. thank you, Jamie. Thank you. <laughs> so that's exactly right. what was Christmas like when you were growing up with your dad and everybody? I mean... Did you have a strict budget? Did you ever be like, oh, I wanted this so bad and they wouldn't let me get it? Or what was it like? Yeah, I mean, I think all of that. I, I know one kind of quirky gift that, of course, the Ramseys would end up doing. When you were 15, the Christmas morning of your fifth, when you were 15, you got your own checking account. So that was like one big gift that you got that was like very exciting. And you finally got to write checks back in the day when you actually wrote checks all the time. Um, we did that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, we were so normal and it was never this extravagant Christmas. And then by the time I actually have memories, you know, five, six, seven, they actually did kind of have more of a solid financial foundation. So yeah, sure, we got gifts. But, but one thing they harped on so much, especially during that time was giving. And I remember later, I mean, I, this was in high school, right? So this is this is 17 years yeah. after the bankruptcy. Um, but we would go, dad would go get kind of a wad of cash and we would go into parts of Nashville and sit in grocery store parking lots and wait for someone to go in and jump out and just like hand them a hundred dollar bill. And then we'd run back to the car and get in and we would just do that. And then we could only stay like 10 minutes because I feel like. It kind of got out, so we had to move locations. Uh, but we did that every Christmas for probably probably five or six years as a family. Oh, how fun. Now, do you oh. do anything like that with your family? You know, Winston and I, we have, we have three little ones, and our oldest, she's six. And so we were actually, we were literally just talking about this last week because I feel like they had just been so young, and they would kind of not have any idea really what was going on. But she's getting to the age where she's asking questions. Stuff now has become a thing. She wants to buy stuff. I'm like, oh, I have a little shop shopaholic, a little Rachel that's that I've birthed <laughs> into the world. Um, and so those are the pieces that, yes, we were like, man, what are things that we can do? But honestly, 
we, I mean, we could do something like that that's more spontaneous, but we were looking into different things to do with the family. And I hate to say it, but COVID now, it's so sad. Like they still have restrictions of volunteering. And I mean, there's still kind of stuff. And kids, there's ages, people, families out there looking. You know, a lot of places they have an age limit. So there, there are some things to work around with littles. Um, but there's definitely still creative, creative ways to give as a family. Yeah, I, I, what you're saying about the hundred dollars, I can only imagine what it would feel like if someone came up to you and just gave you a hundred bucks. You're like, is this real? Oh yeah, <laughs> you, oh yeah, and you and never the reactions. know. Someone mm-hmm. might have really needed that hundred dollars. You just never know who is in need of money at that time when you're, you know, when you're walking by someone. You never know yeah. what's really going on in their lives. So that was Absolutely. really awesome that you guys did that. Um, I have this other question that's burning in my mind because you keep saying you're a shopaholic. So well, when you I were a teenager, a but... <laughs> <laughs> when you were a shopper, when you were a teenager, how did your dad reel that in? I mean, did, what was he instilling in your brain all the time and telling you over and over? Hey, I mean, how did he teach you to be better and to do a budget? Budgets are not easy. You keep talking about a budget, a holiday budget. And how do you do that when you're a person yes. who is a spender? Well, I would say as uh, to answer your question, like growing up, mom and dad, they did a great job of letting us fail a lot with our money to make mistakes because when you can teach your kids to make mistakes under your roof, there's a level of protection and they're usually less expensive mistakes than the first time ever someone handling money and they're out on a car lot. And they're like, sure, I'll buy this brand new car because it's fun or whatever it is. <laughs> um, so you kind of learn it. And so for me, I mean, he, I remember him rapping background multiple times to be like, hey, I know you went to the mall and you know, bought X, Y, and Z shirt or whatever, you know, are you still wearing it? And I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah, Rachel, you're the happy, if happiness is drawn by stuff, you're going to be a rat in a wheel. It it will never fulfill you. And like those kind of contentment messages, I feel like we're at the heart of what's going on. And probably still the heart today of me, I'll be honest, you know, Um, and and that kind of stuff to instill, uh, instill on an emotional level, I think is really important. But also, Jamie, you know, we laughed at I got a checking account at 15 for Christmas. Well, I bounced three checks out of that account like four months after having it. And you'll appreciate this. And I bounced them at Hollister. That's right. Take that in for a second. <laughs> Take that in for a second. 15-year-old Rachel. <laughs> hey, I was so right I've there with you. I know. I've learned a lot. I've learned I a learned lot. a lot, too. I didn't understand the check thing too good when I got mine. So I understand. I did the same. My parents were not too happy about that one. But yeah, I think it's we all have to live and learn and yes. not be ashamed of those mistakes. That's right. We've that's grown right. from them. Look at us now. Look at us now. <laughs> I know. And so I think, though, for, for, for anyone listening that's not a 15-year-old, or I guess this would be true for 15, too, is to realize that it's okay to have nice stuff. You just can't let your nice stuff have you. And it has you when you go into debt for it in a financial sense. You don't own it. It's owning you. And that contentment emotional piece. I mean, there is a true kind of spirit i feel like in our culture that we just we 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 upgrade we gather we buy because i think a lot of us we're trying to fulfill something to make us happy you know we think if i could just have x i'll be happy if i could just have this size house or this car or even this jacket whatever it is then everything will be better and it doesn't we all know it stuff does not make you happy and it's not evil it's not wrong to go buy stuff at all but you want to make sure that things are in check not only just your money but your heart behind it, because I mean, and again, I've had to learn this, that, you know, you can't just acquire, 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 and everything in your life is going to be fixed. That's not the case. And so 
I feel like I've gotten in a good spot over the years of, of a lot of practice of learning that, but um, but I still enjoy it. I, 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 you know, I will, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, I still enjoy shopping and buying stuff. I think it's fun, and I like buying for other people and gifts and all of that. But you want to make sure that those two things are in check: your money and your heart. Do you have an example? I've always wanted to ask you guys this of a story of someone that maybe that you've been able to help. I know you have two big books out there. You have your show. Is there a story or personal experience you can share where the advice that you gave um, changed someone's life? Oh, man. Yes. I mean, I'm happy to say we have like millions of these um, all the time. I mean, you know, and I'll host the Ramsey show and you and you hear these calls. What I love about it, Jamie, is I'm like, you know, these are people that 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 people in society wouldn't say like, oh, they're just glamorous and beautiful. You know, these things that we kind of are intrigued by in our world today. I'm like, these are everyday people that have a very common theme that say, I believe I can change my life. I believe that my money doesn't have to control me anymore. I have the hope, which is a big word when we talk about finances, because there's a lot of guilt and shame and a lot of hopelessness in this. But this theme of just saying, I I can take care of myself. I can do this. I can change my money habits. I can get in control. I can say no. I can sacrifice. I can do these things to really turn my current financial situation around. And that is something, I mean, we see people paying off debt, you know, at all different income levels, all different debt levels, single moms newlyweds you know we had a couple on last week and they had they were there on their honeymoon which i was like i'm so sorry that this is where you are on your honeymoon but they you know he had had all the student loan debt and they were working together and we don't you know we don't recommend combining finances so after you're married but they literally got married like four days before and they 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 did the final payment of the student loan because they were waiting for that and they were there and they did their debt free screen you know you get that you get um you get you get 60-year-olds who started the plan 18 months ago. And for the first time ever, they realized my entire life, I haven't done this and retirement's coming and I'm going to change it. And they and they do it. I mean, you, it, it is it is remarkable. It really is. And these are the people that I'm like, man, I wish this is what was highlighted across our country, right? These people that are truly winning in their lives because they're deciding to take control. And so that's my hope that people listening right now, if you are one of those living paycheck to paycheck, if you are one of those that loves to shop like me and Jamie, you know, if you if you are this person that tends to have your money control you, you can flip the script. You really can. And we see it all the time. And it, it there's a freedom that comes with it as well. Such a emotional, spiritual freedom that, man, you don't when you're out of debt, you don't owe anyone anything. You're living on a plan. You're intentional. And all of a sudden, like you're in charge of your life. Your money's not telling you what to do. I also like to ask all my guests a question. What does live richer mean to you when you hear that from a financial sense and just in an everyday emotional sense? What does live richer mean? I think live richer means when you have options in your life. Because I think I wouldn't put a dollar amount with quote unquote richer or what wealth is for people um, on a sense of, of just a financial tactical sense. So I would say I think people that live a rich life, they have freedom and they have options to decide, hey, I want to stay home with my kids and quit my job because I've gotten myself in a place where I can do that. Or I want to move across the country in an RV because now everyone can do that. It's 2021 and you can work remotely if you want. Like, like you actually have options in your life. And a lot of people don't have that because of the financial situation they're in. So there's a level of living richly where you have options and have a say over your life. 
I love that, Rachel. Another question I just was, we were sitting here and I was thinking about it is I was wondering if you could just go one more time to help our audience know what are three steps people can do to get out of debt? Can you just make it real simple for us? So when we get, get ready to end the show here that people can know and take that away from this. Absolutely. I would say number one, know where you are. So this is know what your bills are, know what your kind of your budget is, what you spend money on, know what your debt is. Some people, they don't even want to know, right? They, they have they have escaped and they were like, I don't even want to look. You have to look. So I would say, number one, know where you are financially on everything. And that, that may take a little bit. That may take a few hours to dig into all your accounts <laughs> and all of that. So I'm not saying that's an easy task, but you've got to know where you're starting. Um, I would say number two would be to save that thousand dollars. If you have, if you are living paycheck to paycheck and you don't have savings, you need to have a buffer. That thousand dollars is so key. And then number three, I would start working to pay off that smallest debt because when you list out all those debts at the beginning, you want to list them smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. You pay minimum payments on everything, but you're going to attack that smallest debt first. And we say doing that versus the largest interest rate. Because there is that hope that we were talking about earlier. You have to believe that you can do this. And if you're trying to attack your $80,000 student loan, it's exhausting. You know, you're like, oh, my God, it's a mountain. And I don't know. But if you have a $600 Macy's credit card bill, it's just kind of been there with you for a long time. And you get together and you're like, you know what? I'm going to up my income. I'm going to slash my expenses. I'm going to pay that off. And you pay it off. There is something invigorating about knowing I can do this. And then once that's paid off, you're going to take everything you were throwing at that little credit card debt that you had, and then you're going to roll it over to the second smallest. And you keep going until you're debt free. And we find with the debt snowball, people are paying off all of their debt in 18 to 24 months, which is very fast. And again, that's the average. Some people it's more, some people it's less. But there, there, is, this, there is this method of saying, okay, I'm going to actually take control and, and have that hope when I know that I, I'm doing it. And you keep that momentum going with the debt snowball and, and it's powerful. It really, it really is. And anyone out there, I'm telling you, like I said earlier, we, we hear all the time at different income levels, different debt levels, high, low on both ends, and people do it and they do. It's a long journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's going to take time. You have to have patience with it. But man, when you focus on something and you have passion behind it, a lot of things can happen. Well, we can see that because you have tons of passion and you've been extremely successful. <laughs> so and early, I, Jamie. I can't believe we are, we are, I, we are in this. I, oh, we are. And then <laughs> one other thing is you are, uh, you have three, two other siblings. So why was it that you're the only one that went out there and became an author, standing up on stage? What made you so passionate about it? I'm sure they're passionate too, but they're not doing what you and your dad do. So I was curious, what do you think made the difference there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone's wired so differently. I mean, my sister would, she would die, she would be tortured if her job was my job. She's like, if I had to sit in front of a camera and go on a stage, she's like Rachel, that sounds miserable. Like nothing about her at all wants <laughs> this at all because she's so not wired that way. Um, and she worked for a nonprofit for years. She helps with Mom and Dad's Foundation, and she just does a beautiful job. I and mean, she just has the biggest heart for people. And like you said, she's passionate about this for sure. But uh, being out front is just it's not she doesn't want it it's not her cup of tea you know all of that and then my brother actually does work within the business and so his we laugh because he's the younger brother but we're like he has been a 40 year old living in his body for as long <laughs> as we know he's like the most mature <laughs> smart wise 
man you've ever met. So funny. So yeah, so he's he's business wise. He he loves business problems, solving things, working with a team. So he's in the business, uh, but just not out front. And I don't know. I guess I like to talk, Jamie. I don't know what it is. I don't know, but um, I I enjoy it. It it is fun for me. I mean, because it has to be a little intimidating getting on that huge stage right after your dad sometimes and try to keep that crowd going. So I always was like, I wonder what it'd be like to be her and have to go out there. I mean, does your dad critique you? I mean, is he giving you tips behind the stage? <laughs> like, Rachel, you didn't get him going enough. I mean, I mean, what's going on behind there? You know, I laugh because I'm like, we've learned a lot in family business and we've learned if there's a layer between me and Dave in business, it's a good thing. So I, I so he may tell someone else to tell me. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've learned that. And I, I, it took me a while. It took me years. I've been doing this for 11 years now. And the first couple of years, I think I probably tried to duplicate it or felt that pressure of, oh, I got to be, I got to be like him. And I just realized, I remember looking one day in the mirror and thinking, I am not a balding 60 year old man. I'm not like I am at the time. I was like, I'm 24. Again, as we talked about, I enjoy shopping. I enjoy going out for like, And so I kind of have now just become comfortable with my perspective, my approach. And I think I'm more like your friend. Dave's dad's kind of like everyone's uncle. You know, he'll he'll tell you like it is. And that's awesome. It works for him. Um, But I'm kind of like, hey, because I'm in it, too. Like, I'm I got three kids. My husband and I, we just, you know, as we're filming this, it's the 15th. We were paid our commissions. It was way lower this month than we were expecting. So we literally adjusted our budget this morning while we were drinking coffee. And we're, I'm, I'm in it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm in it. And so I feel like there's a level there that I love just connecting with people because I'm like, I get it. Like, I'm right there, too. I didn't even think about this. But um, during the pandemic, how did you guys deal with it? You weren't going out on shows. You didn't have the big, you know, the stadiums filled with people that you guys do where you're selling all the books. You're selling all that. So you've had to probably really change your income. And how much you made over the, I mean, I, I didn't even think about it till you just said that. Sure, that your sure. income had to be adjusted a little bit, possibly, during the pandemic. Yeah, well, our operations were still going. We were still doing our podcasts. We were still doing the show. We were still putting out that type of content. And then, like you said, our events, though, man, they changed. I mean, they went to live streams. We have, thankfully, at Ramsey Solutions, we have different studios, so we're able to do that and shift but um but that that side of the business yeah the live event portion oh yeah was turned upside down completely we had to cancel i mean obviously everything like everyone else did um but we had to pivot still and but 2020 was a busy year for us honestly because i think people were freaking out about their money and we're one of the trusted voices in the space so a lot of people were coming to us saying hey we need help so i think i did more interviews more i mean i i did more probably in 2020 than i than I have in a while. In a while. Really? I, that's surprising. But, you know, I, they did say that people did, sitting home, you know, they started really reflecting on their finances and things like that and started saving money. And you're just proof of that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And when, you know, when something like a pandemic hits, obviously none of us have lived through that in our at our age. And, uh, and I think people really were scared of, hey, what's the market going to do? What do I do? I've lost my job. Complete industries. People were out of out of work. Um, I mean, it, it it absolutely just turned our whole world, as you know, upside down. And that money piece is was a big part of people's questions and fears. And so, being able to calm people and say we can we can get through this. Don't cash out your four hundred one k. Please don't cash out your four hundred one k. I said that like a thousand times. Um, yeah, it was big. But but I'm thankful we we had you know we we had the ability to to still speak into people's lives even then. Okay. Thank you so much, Rachel. I am 
You've taught me a lot today, actually, and a lot of insight into who you are. I never thought you were a spender, and that is exciting to know. I was thinking all those Ramseys over there were cutting up credit cards. Your dad's telling you, keep you got to have this much in the bank at all times. Don't spend it. Even if we got millions in there, don't spend it. So that's, that's what I was thinking. I honestly thought that. So that's really good to know that I could be a spender and still live richer and have a great life. And thanks for sharing with us how to get out of debt and how to have a budget this holiday season. And also probably stay away from the pay now whole scenario there. Do you Amen, think, sister. Yeah. Hey, real quick, is there a generation that might be more susceptible to that, that pays it? Do you know? I think there was something in the study. I just wanted to touch base on that. Do I, yeah. I mean, I think the Gen Z millennial side of the equation for sure. They're less likely to pay it back. Oh, to pay it back. Oh, yes. I think to do it. Yes. Then in turn, yeah, the numbers would show that it skews even to pay it to pay it back. Um, Because honestly, you know, it's interesting, depending on the study as well, not our study specifically, but you just read, you know, credit card debt is is higher among certain generations and some, you know, and, and they're showing millennials actually have less credit card debt than the boomers. And so you start to see these trends of even how people view debt and how they use debt. But I think these methods like a Klarma or an afterpay. I mean, it's all woven in and in in our phones and our social media. I mean, it's it's just the place that people, yeah, I mean, the swipe up and all of that, that 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 is the game changer. People can see it. They want it. And now I only got to pay a fourth of it right now. Heck, yes, I'll do it is what they see and what they believe, which is not good. I'll say that, that I'm not endorsing that, but that that's what's happening. Just put it in your cart. And don't buy it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you can still get the endorphins. Just put it in the cart. Check it out tomorrow. Make sure you really want it. So again, thanks, Rachel. And is there anything you want to close out that you'd like to say? Yeah, well, thanks, Jamie, for having me on. It was so fun. So fun to talk to you this morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, for people out there that, that we're going into the holidays, and I would say just just be aware. Don't float through because you're excited. And the holidays are here and all that, like actually be a grown up and let's put our emotions aside and actually have a plan. Let's really be focused on it because I just want the January you to love the December you and to think, man, Rachel, December of 2021, that was a great Rachel. She had a plan and now I get to live freely in January. So just just think about what you're doing because those choices and decisions will follow you. Thanks again, Rachel. And everybody, please remember to live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com.